everybody and welcome to a very special Memorial Day evening edition of Bloody Good Horror, although you'll still get it Friday, so really, we'll now be like ancient news when we post this, but that's okay. My name is Eric, and tonight we will be reviewing Monstrous, starring Christina Ricci, everyone's favorite uh, Wednesday Adams. Um, Matilda, I'm going to guess you are a big Adams Family fan. I am, yes, that's right. I could just tell. Uh, I literally have said anyone on the podcast, but Matilda specifically. (laughs) One of the best compliments someone told me once when I was wearing a striped shirt is that I looked like Femme Pugsley. (laughs) Made me really happy. (laughs) Put that in your Twitter bio. Wow. Yeah, that that would be a pretty good Halloween costume idea in general. Mm -hmm. Joining me tonight, first up, that voice you hear from the Zombie Girls. Please welcome Matilda to the show. Hey there. Next up, welcome Ariel. Hi. Uh, next up from Richmond, Virginia, welcome Caitlin. Hello. And last up tonight from Indiana, welcome my friend and yours, Casey. Hello. You know, it's funny, Caitlin, like you could swap the titles of last week's movie and this week's movie and it would make way more sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, very like, true. This movie should be called The Sadness <laughs> and that movie last week should be called Monstrous. Yeah, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> You're welcome, Hollywood, doing your job for you. Over here. Um, like I said, we're recording Monday evening Memorial Day. That's why Schnars isn't here because he like does stuff on Memorial Day or whatever. But uh, I spent minimal time outside today, Caitlin and Matilda. I want you guys to know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was outside a lot yesterday and I was so grumpy. It was so hot. Same. 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 Uh, all right. Well, let's do it. Let's get into Monstrous. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Not the front time. Started binging Seinfeld again, Caitlin. How do you feel about Seinfeld? Uh, it was in my rotation of like after school before dinner reruns. It was like Simpsons, King of the Hill, Seinfeld. Big, big in syndication, <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you start watching that just so you can know the stewardess on your trip? What's the deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> it was a big comfort food watch for me. I I watch, I mean, I'm old enough that like I actually remember watching probably the last three or four seasons, like weekly as it yeah, aired. Like I, re- yeah. I, I have mm-hmm. a memory of watching the finale because I remember it was like a big event. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, for years in syndication, it was just like a big comfort food watch for me. So, I, but it, it was one of those ones I had to pause for like a decade. Cause I was like, I watched so much of it. I was sick of it. And now we're back. So it gives yeah. me, <laughs> gives me hope that we, I may one day return to the office. It's I, on my rotation comfort in the office still. Uh, the, the X-Files. And I making show. I OD'd so hard on the office that I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. It's like, it, it's like eventually the switch flips and instead of giving you like dopamine or whatever it is, it just like, it hurts. It's like sticking needles in your eyes one day. And then, <laughs> then I just wait a decade until it stops hurting. Here we are. Where we does, back, we got back to does, the office like two months ago. We're currently on uh, Brooklyn nine, nine ourselves. Nice. Nice. Good show too. Eric, where does Breaking Bad fall in the 
pit needles in your eyes versus dopamine scale um, for you? Um, somewhere in the middle. Like I, I've slowed down <laughs> okay. a lot during like quarantine. I was watching it like I'd finish it every couple of weeks and just start it again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> because it, I do a while. So I have it on while I'm working or whatever. It's just background noise. Um, gotcha. I, I never actually watched it before. Over the last couple months, I've watched it more of like a slow drip. But then I finally went and started watching Better Call Saul. Like I gave in and was like, all right, we're just going to binge this so I can watch the last season. It takes a while to get going, but it turns out that's real good too. So I'm waiting for better. It's good. I'm waiting for this final season to wrap up so then I can just start binging that one again so <laughs> but i don't like new things i find them threatening and unpleasant <laughs> i get enough new There's things something contained about a finished show that yeah. it's like okay i have this finished product it's a known known <laughs> finished show well, it's, uh, funny, though, it's funny especially since quarantine and all that's done colleen have caught ourselves even on new stuff like barry just started a couple weeks ago and we're like if we just wait a couple of weeks, we'll have all of them. We could binge them all at once. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I love Barry. That's such a good yeah. show. It is pretty good. I've watched some of it. I didn't finish it, but it's good. Henry Winkler is amazing on that show. <laughs> oh, yes. <yeah. laughs> He's great. So In good. anything. Yeah. yeah. It's true. All right, Caitlin. That's all I got. Please bring us the word of the day. Eric, our word for today is maternity. Mm. Maternity is the quality or state of being a mother from the Latin mater, meaning mother. Mater. Mater. That reminds me of The Office. I know. Sounds like something Dwight would say. I have married. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. And what does that have to do with this movie, Caitlin? Why don't you tell us about Monstrous? Yeah, I I would call Monstrous a monstrous motherhood movie, uh, which is why I I went for the mom angle. Um, This is written, by the way, by Carol Trest and directed by Chris Saverston. Stars our friend Christina Ricci of, for me, now and then fame comes first on the docket. And then uh, Adam Sandler, Yellow Jackets, just all the things. Yeah, for anybody who hasn't seen Yellow Jackets, that first season is real wild. It's pretty it's good. So I, good. Yeah. I, I do show. wish there was a little more like feral stuff they showed in that first season, but um, it's pretty good. I think we're going to get it next season. I'm hoping. She is our uh, mom here in this story, Christina Ricci, and she's got a son uh, played by Santino Bernard. And we see them as they're fleeing uh, what we perceive to be maybe a not so great situation with the dad. And they end up in a new house in a new town and sort of set up their life there. Um, They go about going to school, going to work and trying to make their way in a very unusual situation with some creepy stuff going on in the lake behind the house. Some really shitty landlords. um, Some real shitty landlords. I think that might be as far as we can get without some some twist reveal. Yeah, we should say (laughs) there are some twists in the movie that will probably spoil so that we can kind of discuss the full picture of the movie. I would, if you don't want to be spoiled, turn away. And there we are. Matilda, what'd you think of this movie? Um, you know, I wanted to like this a little bit more than I did because I really love Christina Ricci. Um, but I think it really suffers from her playing a character that feels a little bit similar 
in Yellow Jackets, like a kind of like um, brittle femme character where you get the sense that there's something going on under the surface. Um, and that one has a lot going on under the surface. And this one, it was harder to kind of care about what was happening under there. It was harder to connect with, especially until the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I was a little disappointed and I feel bad for the director and writer of this movie that it came out so close to Yellow Jackets during the Christine, Christina Ricci assance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Can we, I'm down if we want to call her Christine, because I like that. It reminds me of a delicious sandwich. Uh, Ariel, what do you think? <laughs> Ariel, what do you think? I'm into it. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I feel largely the same way. I love Christina Ricci and there are a few points in this when she's really good, but she is carrying the entire movie on her back yeah. because the script is so underwritten. The characters are so thinly drawn. It's boring for a large part of it. I think that the horror aspects are so conceptually thin and so thinly attached to the trauma and sort of emotional stuff that's happening in the movie that it makes it less impactful. And I'm sure we'll get into the twists, but one of them was really predictable. And the other one I thought was pretty good, but it didn't save the movie for me, unfortunately. Casey. Yeah, I'm kind of along the lines with everybody here. I was excited for this one mostly because I do love Christina Ricci and especially when she does horror movies, she's got a good, you know, talent for it. So I was excited for that. And Ariel, I think nailed it. The writing on this movie is not there for Christina Ricci to carry this movie through to the end. Can Christina Ricci carry a movie? Absolutely. I think so. I just don't think she had the material to work here. There's not a whole lot of character building going on here outside of the mom and her son. And it's pretty heavily uh, ladled out to get us to think, I feel a certain way for them. So it's easy to kind of get lulled into the rhythm especially the first two acts of this movie. And it just, it's a slog and it's kind of hard to, it's kind of boring to get through the, once we get to the twist towards the end, I will say it did do a lot for me to change my view on the movie and what was going on in the movie. It was, it was a, I would say a good emotional reaction to it. And it drew that out of me, which was nice. But like Ariel said too, it was kind of a little too late, too much. The uh, if we would could have got that earlier in the movie, played off of that more, I think it could have been a lot more interesting. Mm-hmm. Caitlin, yeah, I feel much the same way. Uh, one thing that we haven't said yet, but that Ariel mentioned over email, is that this is a chicken soup for the soul <laughs> joint. Boy, yes. yeah. So can weird. we? Can I we? Production company. Can we mark that on? our episode guy that this is, this has to be the first time we've ever done a chicken soup for the soul movie. I also noticed that like, I I first thought maybe it was a joke or like had to do with the plot. Like it was a title card that was a part of the story, Mm -hmm. but it is legitimately like their thing. Not only that, there's a good like 45 production companies at the top of this movie. Like everyone I kept going, is this the movie? Oh, is this the movie? Like, and then it's just like a boy throwing a thing into a lake and you're like, Oh, okay. Like it's crazy. Yeah, when that chicken soup card came up, I was like, wow, the wheels have really come off in the branding department. Over there. I mean, it, yeah. it also it looks like... Kind of changed the font, too. Like, I know it's recognizable, but I was like, oh, no. It looks like a multimedia JPEG somebody made in 1998. That chicken soup for the soul. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I 
I saw the sort of poster, I guess, for this a while back, and I was like, oh, it's Monstrous Motherhood. Like, that's some of what I do on Plug It Up, and I like Christina Ricci, and I was excited, and and then I heard a lot of kind of, like, meh responses to it, and that's kind of my response, too. Um, I called the first twist, like, it's so obvious in the dialogue really early on. Um, and I will say that, like, I thought I was smarter than the movie because I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I already know the twist. And then later we get another twist that I, I did like. And that one caught me off guard. I, I wasn't. I'd also argue it's not always a killer for a movie to be able to see a twist coming. No, it's yeah. not. But uh, I think I just because, like, everyone has said the plot or the story rather was so weak that I just, like, I wasn't that into it. I, I like the styling because it's set in, like, the 50s, 60s, and I like that. I like, you know, sort of her role as a woman being a typist and sort of, like, having this mantra that comes from a washing machine commercial and, like, having that sort of be what gets her through the day a little bit. Um and I think she is just great to watch, but it's it's just boring. And the CGI is really, really bad. Like, yeah. the, it looked like if Chicken Soup for the Soul is a channel, I guess it might be. I was like, <laughs> oh, this is like a made-for-TV level bad CGI. Yeah. It was an in-house Chicken Soup for the Soul. <laughs> yes. I guess. They, like, got an intern from Liberty <laughs> University. <laughs> oh, that is, it is kind of Jesus-y, right? Chicken Soup for the Soul. Isn't it, like, a, a faith-based series? Is it not? think so but i'm not sure um i i guess i'll not really for any reason other than just to keep it interesting here i'll play a little bit of a devil's advocate i think i think that christina ricci's performance is like pretty layered um and what you're watching her kind of go up against that i think is interesting is like at least sort of until the twist, like, but what you feel like you're watching is a woman in the sixties, probably. Is that what we're thinking? Sort of. It's, I think it's supposed to be 1955. Oh, okay. Got it. Like, you know, a divorced woman who left uh, an abusive husband, who's kind of butting up against patriarchy and sort of judgment and people kind of assuming that she can't kind of take care of herself. And there's a certain, um, what I like is you see this kind of really human portrayal of that person going through that. Like she is trying her best to be a good mom for the kid. Um, but you also see those moments where she's just falling apart. You know what I mean? Which um, as a single parent, I could relate to. <laughs> Honestly, it's like, I don't always want to watch a movie where I see somebody like yelling at their kid to do something that they won't do. Cause I'm like, just fucking, do the fucking thing. Like it can be, it's not like my idea of entertainment is what I'm saying. Um, but I do think that Christina Ricci's performance is like pretty compelling. And I, and really the first act of the movie I thought was also pretty compelling. Like I visually this like, um, retro, I guess fifties aesthetic visually is really well done and kind of, it felt to me like lovingly crafted, a lot of the frames have this kind of beautiful symmetry to them of the way objects are placed and the way things are framed. And I like watching movies that feel meticulously framed like that. Um, and I also think then in retrospect with the twist that sort of plays thematically how sort of like otherworldly everything kind of appears to be. Um, 
in this in that sort of when we're in the 50s kind of place um and so i think it like opens pretty strongly and i think that christina ricci is really compelling freaking mosquito um I think that where we start to go kind of off the rails a little bit is in the second act where that's sort of where the book it's revealed what you guys are talking about that like, there's not a lot of depth to the story and often we'll see movies that are, this is a movie and I think it's kind of apparent pretty early on. It's more metaphor than it is horror. Like sometimes when you make horror, sometimes people make movies like this and they're like, did you guys hear horror as a metaphor? We should do that. And then they do that, but it's like they forget or they, or they're not really concerned with the horror part. Like they're sort of very much using the horror part as a vehicle for the metaphor, but to the detriment of the horror, which I think what people don't realize is that at least for us, maybe that's just for the, for this kind of audience, but like it loses power. Like when those movies are really powerful is when the metaphor is really well done and strong. And when the horror is like scary or unnerving or creepy, cause then that's heightening our emotions along with whatever the underlying emotional yeah. story is. Right. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in this movie. It's like a lot more emotional story than it is horror movie. Um, and I think that that balance could have helped with some of the script. Issues. Like when we get the visuals of what the horror thing is, it's like you could have pulled this from any movie. Like you're, I literally have already forgotten what it looked. It's just like a thing, a black thing with like tentacles and hair and like yeah, um, yeah. It's not very visually interesting. Yeah, it's really, it's really not. Although I did, I do enjoy the atmosphere of the lake house and the mm -hmm. creepy, like dusk shots of the lake where they're staring out the window and stuff. Like there's a lot yeah. of, I think there's a lot of atmosphere to it. Um, unfortunately, I do agree with you guys that it kind of falls flat at some point where I might differ a little bit is that the ending to me in some way saves it because it takes this from something that I would have entirely forgotten immediately after stopping it. And it makes it memorable. Like it's a pretty, I think that I love the ending, the way the two yeah. twists hit in like rapid succession. And then that visual change is really stark and kind of impactful like that scene where she goes outside and is looking around that was so cool and it's such a that all of a sudden it switches like color palettes the sound is different it's yeah. kind of very much like the in your face uh, we can kind of get into that in a bit here but so i think it i think the ending at least saves it from being not memorable um i do think there's a lot of missed opportunities here when you think about how impactful that the script could have been yeah. yeah, if we hadn't yeah. had the ending, I like I would have been like, oh, oh God, what a waste of time. But I'd be losing I really did like the ending. Like be, the last yeah. 10 minutes are yeah. pretty solid. Although I will say one scene or like sequence that I really liked that was pretty impactful for a, like the middle of the movie was pretty boring, except for I did like the birthday party scenes because um, they're just they're very sweet, very tender and really painful. <laughs> and yeah. I think in a movie yeah. that was trying really hard to suss out these like feelings for us. And I was just like, whatever, seen it done better. Just it wasn't hitting for me. But the birthday party scene just with the retro vibes and how much work was put into it and how much care there was between mother and child. Like I, I did really like that scene. So that kind of did 
bring me back after I had kind of written it off. And then the ending really sealed it where I was like, okay, this is like, this is fine. It's, it's not a waste of time. It just is not done the way I wished. And that birthday party scene in particular is part of what I'm talking about with like, where you see this balancing of single parenting and, and even not, I mean, just regular parenting, right? Like in any kind of parenting, you often feel run down and like you're not enough or you're not like up to up to the task and we see a lot of that but then we see this birthday party scene where like you see how happy she makes him and and sort of you you get to have that moment of kind of parenting victory with her and those are the little things that do endear you to the characters yeah well i think even that scene the end of it the way she reacts when she finds out he never gave the um, invitations out to his classmates, you know, you can see her unraveling a little mm-hmm. bit there where the, her response yeah. to her son isn't healthy, you know? Right. And I think that makes it more interesting too. Like as we're watching her unravel and start to drink more and start to respond to her son in a more angry, aggressive way, that's interesting because we, we know she's a loving mom, but she's also imperfect. And I like to see those portrayals on TV. I just wish it was more totally. and that was fleshed out totally. more. I did, like her, I, her frustration with her son in that scene yeah. too. Yeah. She didn't handle it well, but at the same time it was realistic. And as a parent, you can sit there and say, yeah, I can see where that's coming from, sure. why she is frustrated and stuff. So it was written well in that, that aspect. Yeah, it's true. I think that birthday party is the only time, the first time we see like the artifice break a mm-hmm. little bit, even with her like relaxing into making a fart joke with her kid about mm-hmm. the balloons. Yep. And then through to kind of like being really upset with him like that, I I cared about her much more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also did. I really enjoyed when she starts going a little unhinged because I think (laughs) she's so good at that. I mean, that's that character she plays in Yellow Jackets is like all unhinged. You know what I mean? It's just like a thing. She's really good, like barely holding it together is Mm-hmm. A vibe she she's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she really saves the movie in a lot of ways. It it doesn't do a very good job of building tension in those scenes that are supposed to be more scary. But there is one scene where there's a close up on Christina Ricci's face as she's hearing something behind her, and you watch her slowly turn her head and kind of angle her eyes backwards. That was the most tension in the entire movie for me, and that was all yeah. because of her. She sold that right. scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead, because I was going to split uh, slip to spoiler zone. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, let's go ahead and split to, uh, skip to spoiler zone. I can bring mine up later. It may well, before that, can we just talk about how much I hated this landlord lady? <laughs> as a person who rents. She's so mean. As a person well, who rents. camp, no less. As a person who rents, yeah. like rents and has a lot of class rage, I literally wanted to murder this lady. She's like the absolute word. When, especially when she's Agreed. like, you just trying to move in and like run up our costs, trying to get things fixed in this house. And I was just like, lady, I will, kill, <laughs> I will burn your it's house It's such down. a landlord thing to say. Ugh. Oh my God. Yeah. And when she was inside the house without an invitation and saying it was her right to be yes. there, I'm like, fuck no, it's yeah. not. Get the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I wanted to like her because... <clears throat> like she's styled in a way I'm like oh yeah. sweet big lady cat eye glasses let's fucking go and she's just like the worst but her like, like inst- I was rooting for you instantly her yeah. personality is like no thank you I'm all I'm all yeah. with you lady yeah. <laughs> and her poor husband though the whole time's kind of rolling his eyes and like it's okay yeah, right. It's There's okay. a whole dynamic. They seem great. There's a whole <laughs> dynamic yeah. point too. Yeah. Yeah. What that husband must have to undo with like wait staff is <laughs> probably. <laughs> yeah. Dude, but at yes. the end, when he, she's like, "Pick up the paper," and it's like he's working. Oh my <laughs> like, god. 
Um, you can give us the uh, spoiler, Caitlin, if you like. Yeah. So at one point, uh, we find out that she's well. She's had this sort of like panic because she can't find her son after school, and she's taken to the police station. And a counselor comes in and talks with her about what happened last summer. And we find that her son drowned the previous summer, and that he's dead. Which I think a lot of us clocked. Yeah. earlier on um but also that she is living in present time there's a moment in the sort of counseling session where her phone vibrates which i thought it was my phone like it really did i was like oh like i, I very much was like <laughs> surprised by the twist um, but they have this really tender sort of backstory with the grandma. So like her comfort person when she was a kid was her grandma and her grandma talking to her about how, oh, I wish you could have lived when I was a kid. It was such a great time. And we also learned that the monster in the lake is now representative or now represented by her grandmother. And like, that's what like she can let her son go. I really liked that because I have really personal relationships with my grandmothers and I have a lot of comfort there. And I also thought that that twist was really cool. Like, I just wasn't expecting it. And Eric, like you said, when she exits the police station and, like, everything's modern, like, neon signs. And it's just, it's really it's, impactful. It's I so good. It. And they the way the sound design um, hits, too. Like, all those. Yeah. You realize, like, what a nightmare modern society is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, she just gets aside like, and it's, like, rusted out. Like, it's, like, oh, neon no. sound and horns and, like, oh. God, like, but it's the way the way that it um, slow develops with the cell phone is yeah. so so. I think that cell phone was honestly one of the better scenes of the movie because that was yeah. like the big reveal. It's like, oh crap, let's go. It to was a good moment. I remember yeah. being like, oh, oh no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and the way that she looks from her cell phone to the social worker, and all of a sudden the social worker's hair and clothing are totally different. Are a little it's, different. Yeah. yeah, it's very. Clever. And in some way, if you think about it, like if. It may have been an intentional case of misdirection to drop mm -hmm. a lot of hints about the first twist to basically make Caitlin think that she's smarter than the movie. Because then what it does is it kind of fake you out because what you're not thinking about is what's really going to... Because And I like yeah. that... I kind of don't love when a movie... Now that I'm like thinking about it, when a movie gives you a twist and then like 10 minutes later gives you another twist. I sort of enjoy the way this was one twist and then rolled right into the uh, the real twist or whatever like because they want because movies that give take a break it's like they want it they want to like have their cake and eat it too they want you to have the impact of both twists whereas this movie was more like here's the twist psych this is the twist yeah. and then like i like that the uh social worker in that scene too being like it's going yeah. to be okay. I mean, I agree. I think those back-to-back -back twists are impactful, and it, it is a good way to do it. I just don't think this movie succeeded in building up to that in a way that made it really emotionally impactful. 100%. Have you guys seen the movie The Lodge? Yes. It came out a couple years I've ago. I've heard it's very sad. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> it is very sad. That movie has a huge twist, kind of a couple of them that come towards the end of the movie. and But I was floored by them and emotionally just like gutted because it had really built on that so much, you know, and it had made you care about the characters and get you to understand their psychology and what had happened to them. And I just don't think this movie did that. Or like the rel uh, Relic that came out a couple mm -hmm. of years ago, too. Mm -hmm. That movie... Yeah does this thing with grief and trauma that is, and it connects it to horror in a couple of interesting ways, but it's so um, 
Yeah, it's so impactful because there's so many layers of emotion in that and making you care and understand the characters and their relationships to each other that it's just really meaningful. And I think that this movie could have done that too because the twist is really interesting and the connection to the grandmother is really sweet. For me, it just didn't totally land because there hadn't been enough emotional buildup to it, you know? Well, I think if like the, if, so Allison and I were talking, our friend Allison of the Who's There podcast and Mm -hmm. her friend on Slack, she, she and I were messaging because we both clocked the dead son at the like first thing she says to the landlord is like, Oh, he's buried back there somewhere. And we were like, he's fucking dead. Uh, So like, like that. And I think like between that and then the reveal that we're in, that she's actually living in modern times, but like fantasizing that she's living in the past, the amount of time between that, like it didn't build any more tenderness for me. I don't know. It it just, there were a couple of things, but it just, if that middle had been tighter and more, resonant then i think this would be awesome and otherwise it's just it's it's fine it's like good enough i think it's i honestly think it's like a few screenwriting tweaks away from being like a pretty good movie it's just sort of a a little underwhelming i I think Uh any other scenes and better cgi yeah Yeah, please (laughs) any other scenes that stuck out to you guys i like when she quits um, yeah. I mean, she's not in the right. She's that was such a good scene. <laughs> she's drunk at work, there, yeah. but watching her be like, you know, six or seven airplane bottles deep, and then she drives, and I'm like, oh, don't do that. But uh-huh. and then she quits. And the only scene I didn't really like at all was the one in the bar. After that, she quits Where she's and like dancing. With yeah, the that yeah. was kind of weird. Because it doesn't really yeah, go anywhere. That was a weird one. Like it doesn't end up no, really it's having like, a point. We already know. We already know she's struggling. We don't need dialogue there. <laughs> Caitlin, if you Was quit your job else? drunk, how else are you oh, going to go get ahead. home? What's that? If you quit your job drunk, how else are you going to get home except get in your car and drive? That's fair. <laughs> and then you do a little cry first because I did like that she has like a little cry afterwards. <laughs> so. Sorry, Matilda, you had something real to say? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Was anyone else nervous when we first see the monster in the sun's bed that what we were going to get was like a child sexual abuse? narrative oh god i did the not. look of that monster i was kind of like uh-oh oh this is this like uh, a creeper monster i don't know that this movie is up to this it's- <laughs> 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 well and we then don't have a lot of stuff with the dad so like i can see a yeah. version of this where like the dad did something inappropriate and that's why they're not going back and later we learned that that's not the case but i can see you know, if there was a monster that so like, I, got into his bed and stuff, that I, there that could have been an avenue. And I'm glad they did not. I have a question. <laughs> Hiding in bed that something's happening once he's when he's alone in his room. Like I was just nervous because that definitely is the kind of red herring that draws you all along is something yeah. about abuse oh, yeah. from the dad. Well, I, yeah. yeah, that's what I have a question about that. And I could I just could be completely missing something. But with the twist as to what happened to the kid, was the husband abusive? Sounds like maybe neglectful. neglectful. Oh my God, Jinx. (laughs) (laughs) He just wasn't watching, I think, you know. So that's like an interesting, that's an interesting rug pull for, because it's what's given you so much empathy for her throughout the minute that you, I mean, she's a human, but I'm just saying like, it's what the whole script kind of hinges on. So that then when I felt like I wasn't sure if it was true, it was just kind of weird. Well, I think my takeaway was that, so she has this alcohol problem. And when she's recounting what happened to the social worker, she's like, I went to the 
grocery store and I'm mm. like liquor store. Got it. So like my thought was that, you know, uh, she left to go get alcohol, maybe left the kid alone. And dad was just like not watching for a second. And which is, that's how it can happen, you know, and it's nobody's yeah. fault. It just yeah. happened that way. But I think, I, I don't know, that's something that I maybe inserted that wasn't actually there, but her like heavy drinking and especially around, I don't know. She has this little pause before grocery store. And I was like, mm, I don't know if you're at the grocery store. <laughs> no. Yeah, I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for Monstrous. Would you recommend this movie, Matilda? Reluctantly, I don't think so. Mm. Unless if you're a Christina Ricci super fan, though, I do think, Eric, like you're saying, good, there is enough in her performance for, mm-hmm. for you to find something to like. Um, yeah. Ariel? Yeah, I feel the same way. I just, I don't know that it's worth the $8 or whatever it was to rent it. Casey. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say pass too. Caitlin. Um, I would say yes, just because I think there are better Monstrous Motherhood movies out there, but this one, you know, had a twist that I wasn't expecting. And I, like I said, thought I was, I thought I knew it all. And I didn't. So. I'll say sure too. What the hell? Why not? I'm exhausted and delirious. Let's say sure. <laughs> and uh, my top 10 is looking real thin this year, Caitlin. So we might as well pick it up, put it on there too. So let's do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the other side of this break, and we'll be right back. She was the prom queen, but couldn't handle the heat of the moment. Now she's back, and she's still burning back. Sometimes bad girls have all the fun. Say hello, Mary Lou. It's prom night two. Next. Hello, creeps. It's John Kassir. The voice of the Crypt Keeper. And I'm a friend of bloodygoodhorror.com. <laughs> Send feedback to info at bloodygoodhorror.com or on Twitter using hashtag AskPGH. Join Patreon to get back episodes and much more. Patreon.com slash bloody good horror. And we're back. Kaylin, what's on my top 10 list? I don't even know. Yeah, I'm just going to run it down for you. Number one is X. Number two, Spine of Night. Number three, Fresh. Number four, Scream. Five is open right now. Six, The Cursed. Seven and eight are both open. Nine is The Seed. And ten is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's funny. You know what's funny about The Cursed as time goes on? Literally all I remember from that movie is when the guy... Did you see it, Caitlin? I did not. Wait, did anybody here see it? So when the guy yeah, walks uh-huh. in on his wife and she's taking the weirdest topless bath, but she's not in the bath, <laughs> yeah. and then he gets mad at her and we never understand why. That's all I remember. From, oh, and then there's like, <laughs> there's like the werewolf birth scene. Like that's pretty wild. Or when they cut the, 
wolf open there's like the kid inside yeah that's or a good one. Oh yeah do you remember the dogs running through the slow forest? motion that's running in the, yes yes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's funny what sticks <laughs> in the head uh let's just put this like uh, find one of those open slots in there and throw it in there surprise me you got it also speaking of uh numbers eric we are two away from episode 666 just to, to yes. keep in mind love it so we probably we should say I'm on vacation. Hopefully if airlines get their effing shit together, I'll be on vacation. So, um, we're probably going to take next week off. So then we'll have a show after that. And then we'll do six, six, six. And we have a tentative plan. I need to reach out to the person that involves. Um, and then, uh, we're going to, we got a fun movie lined up, so it'll be good. <laughs> Quite the milestone here at bloody good. Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? You betcha. Um, so, Ariel and Matilda, one of you can nominate the other one to tell me where they can find the zombie girls. <laughs> oh, I nominate Ariel. Ariel, <laughs> for <this part. laughs> Ariel, you get nominated for this, I think, every time. Every time. It's really good. <laughs> she's the, she's the most thorough human. <laughs> <laughs> That's the strangest compliment I've ever gotten. You're I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, so you can find us at zombiegirls.com. It's G-R-R-L-Z, like Riot Girls. And uh, you can find the Zombie Girls on every major podcasting platform. We have a bunch of shows. The OG Zombie Girls show, which me and Matilda are on, is really fun. We just ended up covering Hagazusa and The Wretched. That episode just came out. So if you want to hear us talking about people eating babies, then watch that or listen to that one. <laughs> and we have more Deadly. That's the show that Rachel and I do about women identified horror directors and and what they're up to so we're always interviewing directors and um reviewing the movies and and that one's a lot of fun too um and uh yeah we have a few other shows on there too (laughs) and there's lots of it you can also find us on social media we do um a lot of posts there so we're zg podcasts on both twitter and instagram and uh, we're gearing up for Pride right now. So we'll have posts like five days a week uh, for the whole month. So nice. check it out. Love it. All right. Caitlin, what's going on? I plug it up. Uh, trucking along. Got um, got a fun one coming up this week. Uh, well, the one that's being released um, this week, when this comes out, this episode will be Men. Uh, the new release from Alex Garland, our friends at A24. Um, and then recording one on a psychedelic Nick Cage joint that I think a lot of us are fond of. So. Oh, <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm excited. No, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, have some hopefully fun things in the works. Maybe <laughs> merch. We'll see. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, TBD, but it's going well. Very cool. Casey, what's going on in your world, big guy? Uh, art and work. So I'm just creating art out there on cinema.fromage on Instagram. Come hang out. I've still got a gallery going in a local library in Culver. I talked to them, uh, to the person that helped set that up last week. They're going to leave that up on display until their uh, local authors conference is done. So that was fun. That's cool. Do you yeah. Have you gotten like any contacts or met anybody through having that up there? Not really, not yeah. too much, but it's a small town. I'm not too surprised. It felt good though, so it was pretty exciting. Yeah, but yeah. I got stuff going out there. I've got some sticker stuff and play, sticker stuff in the works. 
maybe doing some writing on the side. So we'll see. I've got some ideas for later in the year. You're like uh, Pam and her art show on the office. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Love it. Well, you can check out my latest single. It's called Graves. Um, If you search Hi-Fi on Spotify or Bandcamp, it's H-Y-F-Y. It is uh, currently my most listened to song. That's exciting. Nice. Climbing the charts of my own songs. (laughs) (laughs) um and one of my favorite things now is there's finally enough user info on spotify that like if you put on one of my songs or one of the eps or something and it plays out it now will just go to a radio station um i think i've almost single-handedly influenced this to happen myself because i have my own personal spotify where i listen to my music and like but it's cool it'll play a bunch of synth jam stuff suggestion stuff for you so so I was just going to ask it's, where it sends you afterwards. Um, like you might hear some power glove. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Ooh. Very good. No. Some, uh, magic sword. Uh, some of my favorite, like, uh, film composers that make like synth music. So it's good. Cool. Check it out. Um, and I'm, I am working on a, like, uh, it started as an EP. It might be longer. What? What? When does it go from EP to LP? I don't know. Matilda, that seems like something you might know. Seven songs. I don't know. Uh, that's like a, a concept album for like a movie soundtrack that I sort of made the story up for in my head and then just composed a bunch of music for. That's I've been working on that for a year and I'm hoping it's out this summer. TBD. WIP. That's where, that's where it currently is. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Um, we have nothing for email tonight because it's Monday. Well, I also posted Instagram late, so there's nothing there. Um, Caitlin, though, you have some you have some Instagram stuff, right? And then we'll do Twitter with Casey. Um, I've got some stuff Slack. on Slack, actually. <clears throat> uh, from Slack, we put a call out for questions there. Um, our buddy Jason, the bearded dad from um, Dads from the Crypt, asked, "What's your favorite Christina Ricci role? Has anyone seen her performance on Yellow Jackets?" Yes, it's probably <laughs> that because I don't actually know that I've seen a ton of her movies, honestly. Yeah, I love Now and Then. Now and Then is like a top ten yeah. of all time for me. Yeah, she's great in that. She was yeah, really that good was in that good. Lizzie Borden show too, that miniseries that mm-hmm. she did, the Lizzie mm-hmm. Borden Chronicle. Oh, I forgot I about called. that. I assume, yeah, I assume she, really she played Lizzie Borden. Yes, of course. (laughs) I always say this, but when you, at least at the time, I had jury duty in Boston like a decade ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And I was like close enough into the city that I actually had to go down to like Suffolk Court. It's like in the uh, Mm. state house, like down in the city. And they had, in the room that you hang out in all day waiting to get called, they had displays of famous cases from Suffolk County. And one of them was Lizzie Borden. And they had a whole pictorial thing like that you could just like you were at a museum and you could read like the first woman ever like tried for murder or something like that it was pretty uh pretty cool oh that's cool i like i'm partial to the chloe savaney kristen stewart lesbian lizzie borden movie Mm. made my partner watch that on friday (laughs) 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 waiting for john i really really want john to watch it i really love uh the ice storm she was one of the kids in the ice storm if you've seen that and uh Buffalo 66, like that oh, yeah. opposite oh, of yeah. sex, Buffalo 66 good. era, Christina mm-hmm. Ricci was very. Yeah. She was really a monster great. too, wasn't she? That was a good role. Mm. What was she in monster? She played the the girlfriend role. Yeah. Oh. Monster. Which movie is that? You know, the uh, one about the uh, serial yeah. killer. Um, Charlize Charlize Theron. Theron. 
Oh, yeah. monster. Oh, Early morning swimming. Interesting. I saw that at 10 in the morning at like some early matinee on a Sunday and everyone else in there, I think like the senior home down the street had come to the movie. So <laughs> I never... We all know what we're in for, but everybody was into it. Amazing. I never saw <laughs> yeah. it. It's good. Like when I saw Dark. the lighthouse, it was me and a bunch of like old people in the middle of the day. And I was like, do they know? Too busy. <laughs> Listen, I got some breaking. Uh, what's going to happen with that mermaid? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got two also from our friend, Nick. The first one is when you go into your refrigerator, what is the first liquid you would reach for if you were thirsty? Water. LaCroix. Yeah. I'm usually going for water. I drink water and tea. That's pretty much it. I've got my like emotional support water bottle that I have at all times, but that's not in the fridge. If I'm going to the fridge, I get Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. People who like don't drink water like blow my mind because like I wake up in the morning and I want to drink an ocean of water and I feel that Me all too. day long. Like I just want water <laughs> all the time. And if I don't, yeah. and if I'm busy, like if I go like two hours and I don't get any water, I'm like dying on a desert thirsty for water. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I drink a glass of water before I even hit the coffee in the morning. It's yeah. my, wake my it's brain the up. First, it's the first thing I do when I wake up is drink a shit ton of water. Yeah. yeah. Also, That's in the middle of the night, when I get up to like go pee or whatever, I'll just like chug a bunch of water from my water Matilda, bottle. Matilda, what do you do when you wake up? Yeah. I go right for the coffee. I also, I grew up in a house that like, going to reveal my age a little bit, like my mother would like crack a tab and take two Excedrin in the morning. And that was <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. See, I read somewhere this whole thing about how if you can delay drinking caffeine for like two hours after you wake up, it's actually really good for your body because then like when you drink a lot of caffeine first thing in the morning, it replaces your body stops producing some of the things that caffeine sort of is giving you. Like it's, it's a hormonal thing basically. Cause like, so if you allow yourself to wake up and get your body to get going and then do the caffeine, then your body still gets used to like doing its normal wake up routine that it would do without caffeine. I still feel like garbage all the time. So I don't know if it accomplishes anything, but whether it's true or not or something I read on the internet, I've always read about how basically your brain's dehydrated in the morning. So you drink a big glass of water. Well, I mean, you you've been jumpstart everything. You've been sleeping and not drinking for how long? Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah, I will say that I go for the caffeine free diet Coke now, the gold can. So, Dude, you know who used to drink that stuff? Oh, my grand, my grandparents used to drink that stuff. <laughs> yeah, my grandparents I was drink like, it too. I was like, why are you, there's nothing in it. Like you're not getting sugar or caffeine. Like what? Why? Sodium, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Deliciousness. Yeah. Um, and then Nick's second question is what is your favorite condiment? Oh, oh, good question. Mayo, baby, all day, all There night. you go. Mayonnaise yeah, is the I, best. I'm going to go with mayo, too. I have it at... Yeah. Part of me mayo. wants to be, like, the southern answer of just, like, ranch, because I, like, unashamedly, I do love ranch. Let me put it this way. People are like, that's <laughs> gross, and I'm like, I don't give a shit. It's Let me so put good. it this way. I had mayo for all three meals yesterday, including breakfast, because I made this big breakfast sandwich with, like, eggs and smoked salmon, and I put a little bit of mayo on the bagel, and it was amazing. Sounds good. Delightful. Yeah. Mm. It's the nectar. It's Cholula for me. Oh, Cholula's oh, good. I love a good hot sauce. sauce. Yeah. You know what's even better? Hot sauce and mayo mixed together. <laughs> it's real good. Yeah, I think mayo's like the best condiment for French fries. If you want to get oh, fancy? Yeah. You mix it in with a squirt or two of ketchup, and you make fry sauce. Yeah, I used to take oh, like okay. I used to take mayo, and then I had like a really smoky chipotle hot sauce that I would mix together with it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. 
French fries and ranch remember, are pretty uh, good. Just saying. Yeah. Ranch is good. Yeah, I, used I, to dip, I used to dip pizza in ranch when I was a kid. Oh, I still do. I mean, I can't. Well, I can't <laughs> eat pizza, so. But I remember I was I had this boyfriend that was like, and I still, this was a good point. He was like, you know, if like the French had like an herbed aioli that they served with everything, people would be like, ah, oh, exquisite. And because it's like ranch here, like very popular in the South, people shit on it all the time. But <laughs> it's solid. It's very solid. But uh, that is it for uh, Slack questions, Eric. Thank you. Uh, Casey, what's on Twitter? All right. We got a couple questions on Twitter. You got questions. We got answers. Hit us up. Ask BGH hashtag. <clears throat> First up, we have from at Schnecky91. Speaking of monsters, do you guys have a favorite monster? Not counting your typical universal monsters. For example, I'm a big fan of the Kathoga from The Relic. Would love to see more of that guy. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Give me that question. Yeah, one, one from the time. ritual Pansy, was cool. Oh, monster design? That was really yeah. cool. That was a super creative one. Yeah, it's funny because I was kind of thinking of the ritual for this movie because I actually didn't like the ritual, but oh. that monster is like amazing. So like you remember yeah. that the monster makes it a really memorable film. You kind of either way. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember yeah, what it was. True. It yeah. just didn't. It's kind of all over the place. I don't know if it fully counts as a uh, monster or not, but I always got a thought about Baba Yaga's house. Mm-hmm. It was pretty yeah. awesome. Um, I think that the monster design in Krampus is some of the best in horror in like the last 20 years. That is good. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way that the mm-hmm. masks open up and are like organic on those things is so good. I rewatched that at Christmas time this year, and you're right. There's some close-ups on the Krampus's face, and you can see how it's his face is hanging loose like a mask and whatnot. And you can see hints of things underneath. It's pretty awesome. But there's the like dolls too in the attic, where like it the what looks like a plastic mask, sort of, or like ceramic mask, like splits and opens up, and there's just monster underneath it. Like it's like a fake. Yeah, just all good. It's cool. There's a um, horror exhibit in the basement of the Pop Culture Museum in Seattle, and they have a chestburster in there that's sitting on a mirror. And so you can see underneath it, and you can see it has, I didn't know this until I got up close to it, it has like big 80s acrylic fingernails. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um. And like labia, like there's a pretty explicit. <laughs> so if you can, that's my favorite monster. Having seen it up close, that there's this like ultimate monstrous feminine thing about like mm-hmm. those big acrylic. I mean, alien. Spikes. Anything that that Giger yeah did is yeah. amazing. I just made a note, Matilda. It says alien labia acrylic nails. I love it. Like uh, the Xenomorph queen is one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like I watched that movie for the first time in a long time, a couple of years ago and was like, so damn good. dude. Cause I have a, yeah. I have a very young memory of being shown that movie when I was way too young, like six years old or something. Oh, like uh-huh. And like, I was at my grandparents' camp and they let my brother rent it. It was like a whole, there was a whole chain of irresponsibility happening down the line. Uh, <laughs> but like seeing that um, queen again, like brought back some like fucking, some monkey brain memories that were just like, oh God, like this is a deep seated terror that I have right now. And I liked what they did with it in um, Prometheus and um, Alien Covenant too. There were some kind of cool ways that they, it yeah. was, it was cool to see that creature with really good modern cgi 
Yeah. I mean, I hated Alien Covenant, but I will give you there are some cool visuals. Yeah. <laughs> and this is a face hugger before you get mail. Sorry, it's not a chest burst. It's a face hugger. <laughs> Good to clarify. All right. Next up, we have another uh, longtime listener, longtime friend, Joe, at PS Trophy Hunter. Who would win in a wrestling match, Lemmy or God? This is a. Wait, what? <laughs> this is another to- SBGH question. Who would win in a fight, Lemmy from Ace of, uh, not Ace of Spades, Motorhead? <laughs> I mean, Lemmy's, oh. Lemmy's, Lemmy's dead, so I think God wins, right? Yeah, and God. Or is this so. like when he goes to heaven? Or do we think Lemmy is going, you know? Well, if he's there, he's there this- now. I think this is the trick question that Lemmy is God. Isn't that the (laughs) Steve Buscemi? There's like a Steve Buscemi. Oh, what movie is this? I'm not going to remember what movie it is. Yeah. I can't think of the name now. It's Wayne's World ish, but it's not Wayne's World. Oh, Airheads. (laughs) Oh, yes. yes. (laughs) Got it. They played that movie every day in Comedy Central for 15 years. I uh, I watched a documentary on Lemmy because I didn't know anything about Motorhead. I gotta say, and I was like, oh, this is like really interesting. Yeah, so I, I was I was uh-huh. proud that I knew who Lemmy was. <laughs> I know him yeah. way more. I know him way more as like a figure in pop culture that sometimes shows up in like trauma movies than I do his actual music. <laughs> and he's in those uh, downfall of Western civilization documentaries that are fun. Yes. Yeah. In his little jean shorts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> All right. Last and last, uh, last but not least, another longtime listener, longtime friend of the show at Skizbot asks: So, has anyone else had a decade-spanning crush on Christina Ricci since they were ten years old, or is that just me? I never, oh, no. I never, really, everybody, right? <laughs> yeah, I never really had a Christina Ricci. Maybe when I was a kid, like Adam's Family Time, but I don't really. It's not a thing that does much for me. I think. <laughs> like between. Casper and Adam's family, and now and then, and Gold Digger Curse for Bear Mountain for a deep yes, cut. Like oh I think, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> I like wanted to be Christina Ricci. Yes. So just mm-hmm. thought she was the coolest, and yeah, she was definitely like an icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same for like Buffalo '66 and the opposite of sex, which is such a great so role. Cool. Yeah, she's really cool. I could say I had, I probably had a uh, crush on Christina Ricci at some point, but it was long after Adam's family and that, because yeah, that was too, too young for me. Too old. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? That's it for Twitter. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody who wrote in on their half drunk and their Memorial Day Monday. Back to work tomorrow. And uh, like I said, BGH taking a week off next week, probably get a classic in the feed, and then we'll be back and heading into episode 666. Uh, thank you, Ariel and Matilda, for joining us tonight. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having Don't us. Don't forget to check out The Zombie Girls, G-R-R-L-Z, uh, everywhere you get your podcasts and on social media. Check out Kaylin on Plug It Up, and check out Casey on The Earth doing his own. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm just rambling. Doing us ladies are on Venus. Am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Somebody's been reading their chicken soup. For the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do this week for BGH. Hope you enjoyed the show and we'll talk to you next week. See ya. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Bye-bye.